1: All new 435 podcast network now up at 610sports.com. KCSP Kansas City, WDAF HD2 Kansas City, a radio.com sports station.
0: Good morning. Welcome in. It is the lead off on 610 sports radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer helping us out on the other side of the glass. If you guys would like to get involved in the show this morning, you can do so. The protein I'll with the purpose. Sex line is 69306. If you're very lucky. Kramer said we should. So I'll take his leadership for what it's worth. We very well may take some calls this morning. 913 576 7610 is the phone number to get involved. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at BK Sports Talk. So it's going to be a little bit of a different kind of show this morning. Um, it's going to be a lot of reflection on what was an absolutely exhausting week here at 610 Sports Radio. So we will discuss briefly. The Tyreek Hill audio and what I took away, not only from that audio, but also the response to the audio. I do want to talk a little football as well. We're going to talk about a lesson that the Chargers are about to learn that the Chiefs learned last year. And we're going to talk to my friend David Lesky of Royals Review coming up at 1030. But where I want to begin is with what was, honestly, I got to be honest with you guys, a much cooler moment than even I expected Here's what it sounded like last night as Bubba Starling took his first plate appearance. Digs
1: in, and now the 3 1 pitch. He walked in. So his first big
0: league at bat results in a walk. You get out there and you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm playing center field for the Kansas City Royals. So very, very special. It's stuff you dream about, and I'll cherish this the rest of my life. I knew that was going to be cool. It wasn't surprising that it was a cool moment when a hometown kid. After being the number five overall pick in the MLB draft and was ultimately a disappointment as a prospect for the team, came up to bat and play center field for the first time in his career with the big league club. I knew that would be a cool moment. That wasn't surprising. But what was surprising to me is just how cool it was. It felt big. It felt like a really big moment. And I'm not here to tell you that Bubba's going to be a great player in the MLB. I'm I'm not here to do that because I don't believe that myself. But personally, I connected with Bubba's story a little bit. I graduated high school here in Kansas City. I graduated high school in 2011. That was the same year that Bubba Starling entered into the Royals organization. My dream was always, I want to do radio in Kansas City. Since I was 16 years old listening to Nick Wright here on this station, my dream was very simple. I want to host a radio show in Kansas City on 610 Sports Radio. It took a little longer than I anticipated. I ended up in Columbia. I go to Mizzou. I actually interned for Nick Wright in Houston. It was an incredible experience. Then I took a detour. I stayed in Columbia for a year working at the ESPN affiliate out there. I ended up going out to St. Louis with my girlfriend, had an unbelievable two and a half year experience out there. And finally, I ended up, after being passed over multiple jobs for multiple times for multiple different jobs, getting the job that I had been waiting for my entire life. Now, I'm not trying to compare the facts that I work in radio. And Bubba Starling is a big league player. They're very different jobs that require very different skills that require a vastly different amount of work. Bubba Starling's accomplishment is far greater than me becoming the afternoon show producer and Saturday morning host. But there is a similarity in the fact that last night Bubba Starling achieved his dream. Last night, for the first time in his career, And after eight years of what I guarantee you is a painstaking and exhausting process of taking bus rides to cities none of us ever want to go to and playing on teams where he thought five years prior, I was 20 times better than that guy. Why is he now the same skill level as me? And playing with dudes that are 10 years younger than him at times. That is exhausting. There are times when you go through it and you say to yourself, this just isn't going to work. I'm sure a lot of you in our listening audience right now, at some point, whether it's you had a band or you wanted to do a type of career where it takes a long time to be able to actually make it into whatever that venture is, whatever it may be, opening up a restaurant someday being in a band that you think can make it big, and then when you're 26 and you start getting into the, oh, I need to have a wife and I need to have some kids and this is taking too much money and too much of my time, I can't do it anymore. We've all been in those spots. Bubba Starling, probably a year or two ago, was in that spot where he said to himself, man, I got $7.5 million in the bank when I was 18 years old. I'm 26 now. I'm not hurting for money, but I make no money doing this. Like, you you guys got to remember, when you're a minor league baseball player, all he had in terms of, like, his big salary, it was only the bonus money. His salary now is basically the same as anybody else that's playing minor league baseball. He was a bonus baby. That's what they call him in the minors. If you're a bonus baby, you're somebody that had a bunch of money in the account right when you got it. And now you're making the same as everybody else. And so I'm sure Bubba Starling at some point said to himself, man, I could I could do a million different things with my life. I'm 26 years old. I don't want to be on this damn bus anymore. I don't know how close I am to the big leagues. I've been hurt a million times. I'm just done. I don't want to do it anymore. It fe- I'm right there. I'm one step away from the big leagues, but it just feels like it's a million steps away because I'm not getting that call. And finally, last night, He got the call. He was able to take that step into the box. He was able to make that run out to center field. And he was able to start for the Kansas City Royals. That should be celebrated. That's what last night was about. We can talk about what the realistic expectations are for Bubba Starling moving forward. We can talk about what this means for the Royals in the grand scheme of things, which probably isn't much. But what last night was about was not about any of that. Last night was about a a town of Gardner-Edgerton watching a hometown hero come to play for the hometown team after eight years of waiting. It was about watching a kid who went from high school phenom and one of the greatest high school talents we've seen in this town to a man who eventually was able to live out his dream. I thought Dayton Moore yesterday when he was on FESCO in the morning said it pretty darn well. Here's what Dayton Moore had to say about the accomplishment that we saw yesterday from Bubba Starling. He always had that that man in his ear about, hey, look, you, you can abandon this process.
1: You can go play football. I know he felt pressure from time to time to do just that from, you know, people associated with certain football programs. And so, but what he did, he just, he just kept going. He kept grinding and kept pushing and kept believing and, and, uh, and to do that uh, in, in just the, the normalist of circumstances is, is difficult. But to do it in your own backyard where there is so much uh, excitement, expectations that you're trying to fulfill, I mean, it's been an unbelievable journey for him. It's been, uh, as I said, so much a commitment on his part to continue to persevere. And I'm as proud as him and what he's accomplished in in, in any player that we've really been around through
0: the minor league. And that's what last night was about. Bubba Starling moving forward. He's going to be a good defender. We know that. We've been told for five years now, Bubba Starling can play major league defense. Bubba Starling's going to be fast. He's a guy that he's going to get on the bases. He's going to steal some bags, and he's going to be a really good base runner. That's going to happen. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And Bubba probably, most likely, hopefully he's more than this. I hope to be... Wrong as hell about Bubba Starling. I hope Bubba comes up and he ends up just, it takes off for him. And for whatever reason, whether it be the baseball or he's just getting better training, whatever it may be, I hope Bubba hits 300 with 35 homers every year. That would be awesome. Realistically, based on what he did in the minors, though, and specifically based on what he's done over the last couple of years where he's been more healthy than he had been in the past, we should probably expect about a 250 hitter. We should probably expect a guy that gets on base about 30% of the time. We should probably expect, in terms of the all-around player, basically a better defensive version of Willie Bloomquist or Paulo Orlando. And that's fine. That's fine. If that's what Bubba Starling is moving forward, that guy can be in your lineup if you're a middling baseball team. If you've got a really good lineup, that guy can be your starting center fielder if he's a tremendous center fielder in terms of defensively. If you're a baseball fan and you know a little bit more about like outside of Kansas City baseball players, Kevin Kiermeyer is basically what you're looking at here. He's Kevin Kiermeyer, a guy that's going to get on base a little bit, not much. He's not going to hit for a ton of power, but you're fine with him being your nine hole hitter every day. If he's going to play borderline gold glove defense in center field, that's a perfectly fine outcome for Bubba Starling moving forward. And I think that's ultimately what he is. But last night wasn't about that. Last night was about an unbelievable accomplishment for a hometown hero that finally got to live out his dream. I personally connected with it. I'm sure a lot of you guys that are listening right now have that moment in your life, whatever it may be, where you had been dreaming about one thing for as long as you can remember. And if you accomplish it, that moment that you get it, that moment that you actually feel the gratification of what you accomplished, there's nothing really that compares with it. Nothing. The first moment I hosted on this station, there's nothing that's going to compare to that. The first moment that Bubba Starling walked out to center field and became the starting center fielder for the Royals, nothing's going to ever compare to what he felt in that moment. That's what last night was all about. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer helping us out on the other side of the glass. Coming up at 1030, we'll talk this over with David Lesky of Royals Review. But coming up next... Let's do a little reflecting. There was one thing that changed for me after hearing the full Tyree kill audio for the first time, and I do have a little bit of reservation about the way some fans in particular have run with this audio. We'll talk about both of those things next. It is the lead off. The lead off with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer, help us out on the other side of the glass. The protein i see with a purpose text line is 69306. You can up me up on Twitter as well. I am at BK Sports Talk, and we will take some calls this morning. 913-576-7610 is the number to get involved in the show. Coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so, we will talk with my friend David Lesky of Royals Review about last night's debut for Bubba Starling, what he expects from Bubba moving forward and what he anticipates from the Royals in the second half. So we will get to all that coming up here in just about 10 minutes. But right now, I did want to discuss the Tyreek Hill tape briefly this morning because it was the biggest news of the week and I was intimately involved with the entire situation, obviously, with us releasing the tape on the drive. At this point, I think most of you guys have heard the tape. If you haven't, 6 sportscom is the place to go to listen to whatever you missed. There was one thing in particular that changed for me after hearing the full audio. Not the chopped up audio that you heard on KCTV5, but the full audio. Because there was one thing in particular that the full audio had that the chopped up version did not. If you're looking for what the difference was, it was very specific. In the full audio they talk about 2014. In the chopped up audio, they really don't. And so for the first time when I heard the full audio, and I'll let you hear this, this is a 30 second clip specifically talking about the 2014 incident. It was the first time I ever questioned what exactly happened in 2014. Here's kind of one of the one of the reference points I'm talking about. That 2014 Oh, oh dear. That's a lot too. On me, that's a lie. But you sitting here calling me a bitch and like, everything else. That's what you is, bro. You ruined my life and you lied on me in 2014. How I'm did out i that. lie about? I didn't touch you in 2014. I and I can put that on everything I love, bro. That's the real truth. I... Okay, and then saying that you're going to take, get <laughs> custody of <laughs> That's not going to do. That's the real truth. That's the real truth. All right, so you've heard that by now. I wanted to play it because it's a reference point for me. I still believe something happened that night. This is the first time I've questioned what, though. Because previously, I felt like we were all on the same page as to what happened in 2014. He pleaded guilty to the crime. We just kind of moved forward as if what we read in the police report and then what we heard from the statement that he made in court and what specifically I think hurt all of us was the fact that he reportedly, allegedly, at the time, punched and choked his pregnant girlfriend. You hear those things together, and it's like, oh, my God, that's a monster. Like, you just... I couldn't even imagine what that looks like. Like, visually, I it makes me sick to think about. It. And so I never questioned it, because I just assumed... Okay, that's what happened. And so that when, when we are talking about Tyreek Hill, if we're talking about him on the field, if we're talking about the contract extension, whatever we're talking about with Tyreek, that's just in the back of your mind. This is his past. This is what he did. And so you just always keep it in the back of your mind. And so for the first time with this audio, I questioned what exactly happened that night. I'm not saying that I questioned if he did anything that night. And there's a big distinction between the two. I think that's something, it's the one thing that's really kind of frustrated me about some of the reaction to this. People are making Tyreek Hill out to be a victim of all of this. And people are seemingly suggesting that he's innocent of any wrongdoing in any of these situations. I'm not comfortable going that far. I am comfortable saying, I don't know what happened that night. I think something physical happened. I do believe that. Because everybody you talk to, whether it be Tyreek in this audio or when we talked to his roommate, all of them seem to agree he physically got her out, removed her from the home. Now I'm guessing it wasn't the easiest physically removal from the home. That is abuse. Like we can we can talk about different degrees of abuse, and ultimately that's what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the degrees. And so I've also come into question at this point, and this is just something I've been grappling with all week, and I don't know how to do it. It's hard. When we have these kinds of conversations, I want to be completely honest and transparent about the things that I've been thinking about as we are listening to this, as we are talking about it. One of the things that I've really struggled with in all of this is how much it matters if he simply, like, grabbed her and pushed her out and maybe pushed her up against the wall, like, how much that is quote-unquote better than if he punched her. It is better not punching somebody is a better alternative than punching somebody. There is no question about that. But it doesn't mean he's innocent. And both of those things can coexist together. And that's the thing that I've been uncomfortable with all week is I think there have been a lot of people, fans specifically, that took the audio and ran with it as if Tyree Kill is completely innocent of any wrongdoing. And that is concerning to me. One of my friends made a really great point. I was talking about this with him earlier this week. We went out for a couple of drinks and we were just kind of talking about what the week was like, right? And he said, listen, um, I think you guys have done a good job of being kind of fair and open about all of this. The one thing that I would say is that... I think there are a lot of people that at one point in their life committed abuse of some kind and then didn't, w- would never admit to it in any capacity. They would deny, 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 deny. And the, I, I don't want to make this comparison because Tyreek Hill is not OJ Simpson, but OJ Simpson denied everything. And then eventually his wife wasn't here anymore. Nicole Simpson was gone. And nobody was willing to believe that something was happening until it got to the point where it was too late. And so I'm not comparing the two. I don't want to compare the two. All I'm saying is this. We don't know. We have no idea what happened that night. We have no idea what happened now. And so if you want to make Tyreek Hill out to be completely innocent of any wrongdoing, I'm just uncomfortable with it. I'm just uncomfortable with it. I think it is fair at this point. To say that we don't know what happened that night. That's as far as I'm willing to go. And so when we're talking about this entire situation. I think moving forward. That is what my one regret of. How I talked about Tyreek Hill previously. Is that I didn't question. If something different might have happened that night. Because people take plea deals all the time. For things that they didn't necessarily do. All of what was uh, alleged to have done. People take plea deals all the time for that. And maybe he did that in this instance. That is absolutely possible. So my one regret is, when I was talking about Tyreek Hill previously, prior to hearing this audio, I would talk about him as if that was clearly true. There was no question about it. He had pled guilty to it in court, and that was what happened in 2014. And now, I at least have a question. I have a question as to what happened that night. 69306 is the Protein I'll See with a Purpose text line. We will take your calls on this coming up later on this morning. 913 576 is the number to get involved. You guys can also tweet me at BK Sports Talk. I've just had some issues with it this week because, as much as I have questions, the way that, the, specifically the reaction that I've seen on Twitter from Chiefs fans of completely absolving him of any wrongdoing at any point in his life, it just makes me squeamish. It just makes me squeamish. And so moving forward, that is the one thing I'm going to have to deal with. And the fact that I don't know what happened in 2014, I think is going to be something that I have to kind of wrap my head around over the coming weeks and months and days. But that was my one takeaway. After hearing the full audio, the only thing that I'm truly comfortable saying, I don't know what happened in 2014. I don't know. I really don't. And you can take that in whatever direction you want to from there. There are a number of different routes you can go, whether that means something for the contract extension, whether that means something about how comfortable you are with him being a chief, whether that means something about whether or not you're comfortable buying a T-shirt with Tyreek Hill on it. Like, wherever you want to go from there, we've all got different ways that we ultimately take that information, internalize it, and then put it out into the world. We have different ways of doing that. But my way of doing it is just, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish I had a grand takeaway from hearing the audio earlier this week. I just had one. I don't know what happened that night. And that's both good and bad. I don't know. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes, the Chiefs are learning a similar lesson right now. So what I think the Chargers are going to be learning here pretty soon. Plus, we're done talking about the Chiefs adding wide receivers, right? Like, we're, we're done with that conversation. I thought we had moved on, but apparently, NFL.com has not. And coming up next, we're talking with David Lesky. He's a baseball writer for Royals Review and Baseball Prospectus. I want to ask him what his prevailing thoughts were last night while he watched Bubba Starling come up to the plate and what he expects from the Royals in the second half. It's got to be better than the first, right? That's all coming up. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. We'll get David Lesky involved here in just a moment. We do have some texts coming in. A few of them being very interesting. Um, 69306, the protein I see with a purpose text line. You guys can always hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at B K Sports Talk. So the first text that I want to get to is this one. He's not being investigated for what happened in 2014. So, why does it matter if he's innocent or not? That comes from the 913. The reason why it's important as to whether or not he's innocent for 2014 is because it has colored everything that we believe about Tyreek Hill. Like, whether you're what happened in 2014, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, cannot change the way that we've felt about him over the last few years. But it is important. And it changed the way that a lot of people were able to embrace him here in Kansas City. It changed the way that a lot of people feel about resigning Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. It changed the way that a lot of people feel about him ever playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, if you don't think that it matters at all, God bless you. But for the Chiefs, it certainly matters. For a lot of fans, it absolutely matters. And so, the for, for us to actually have questions about whether or not he's innocent... That is something that definitely matters. Another one that comes in from the 913, the Protein House Eat With the Purpose X line, is 69306. What I just want to know is why Tyreek Hill is still with her. That's the question. Moving forward, the question that the Chiefs are going to have to answer, and we're going to talk about this more coming up here in just a little bit. We'll talk about this coming up at 11 o'clock. The question that the Chiefs need answered now, the first one is, how long is Tyreek Hill suspended? And moving from there, the big question for the Chiefs is going to be, if you're signing up for Tyreek Hill, does it also mean that you're signing up for Crystal Espinal and their relationship moving forward? Because for as much as we know, and maybe this is wrong, but as far as we know, Tyreek never had any issues the first three years that he was here in Kansas City. And all of a sudden, over the course of the last six months or so, right after they were able to see each other again, there are issues that came up again. And so if you're signing up for Tyreek Hill long-term, you need to know if you're also signing up for the relationship he has with Crystal Espinall for the long-term. We'll get back into Tyreek Hill coming up at 11 o'clock, but right now we're switching gears. Last night, a really cool night at Kauffman Stadium. Bubba Starling makes his debut as a Kansas City Royal. The hometown hero finally able to put on the big league club uniform. And we're talking it over with David Lasky. He is a baseball writer for Royals Review and Baseball Prospectus, and you can find him on Twitter as well, at db lesky david how you doing this morning my friend
1: i'm doing great how are you
0: i am doing all right so let's start with the obvious uh what was your impression last night what was your takeaway as bubba starling makes his debut
1: i mean like you said really cool night um
0: you know i've 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 seen
1: quite a few debuts over the last few years because the royals have some some young players come up as they haven't been very good and and they're always fun you know Mickey Lopez earlier this year, people were excited about it. He got his first hit. It was it was crazy. Um, opening day, Frank Schwindel. we actually sat near his family and friends, so we were able to see them just go nuts. They thought he got a hit. It turned out to be an error, but, you know, whatever. They didn't care. It works. Um, we would have seen, like, Brent Eidner back in 2016. So much fun. But last night, it was different because it wasn't just a big league debut. It was a big league debut for the hometown guy, And, I mean, the I was I was just watching on TV. I wasn't there, but I got really bummed. um You know, ovation, everything. It was it was very very cool. I and mean, then you tell that walk up number of what was it forty one hundred something like that. Yeah, um, that's huge. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, it was it was a really cool night for, for Bubba, for his family, for Kansas City, for the Royals. I mean, really cool. He didn't had a great game. He's just fine. It wasn't wasn't bad. wasn't wasn't great. Whatever. But he put on a Royals uniform and played in a game at Coffin Stadium, which, I mean, you grew up a Royals fan. I grew up a Royals fan. If we could do that, that would be, like, the top. And not only did he get to do that work, he gets to do it tonight, and probably tomorrow and, you know, every every day probably pretty much for the rest of the season and, and hopefully more. So, very cool. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And, you know, from an on-field perspective, it's not like he can be a lot worse than Billy. Yep. I know buddy bell tells me I shouldn't say that, <laughs> but I, I feel like it, it, it can only help the Royals um, for, for the rest of the year. So really everybody wins. Right.
0: <laughs> so David, you're very good with projecting what, what baseball players can be. Um, I have said a better defensive Willie Bloomquist slash Paulo Orlando. I've made the comparison to a guy like Kevin Kiermaier, like, what do you think realistic expectations should be for Bubba Starling in a Royals uniform, from an on-field perspective?
1: I mean, I, I think well, let's, let's look at the positives. He's going to play defense, and he's going to be good at it. Um, he's, he's he's pretty fast. So he's going to be good, he's a good base runner, um, and and he's got some patience at the plate. Um, you know, we saw we saw yesterday in his first at bat. Think about this: he had eight years in the minors, and was. In his hometown stadium, playing for his hometown team, and he had the discipline to not swing at a single pitch of the first five he saw and walked, which is really impressive. I, 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 don't, I don't know if people realize how difficult that actually is um, when, when the adrenaline is just coursing through your veins. So that's when he does well. I'm, I'm skeptical of the hit tool. I, I just – he doesn't make enough hard contact for me. Could be an offensive difference maker, um, and he doesn't have to be an offensive major because of the defense, because of the ability to run the bases, all that. He can be a quality player even if he's like a 240, 300, 390 bat, um, which, like I mentioned, that's an improvement over Billy Hamilton. and And I think that's I think I think he could do that. I think he can, you know, work work on some things, get a little more lift. He know certain drive the ball more in Omaha before he got called up. So maybe maybe that's coming. Um, and he did, he's he, he made some adjustments. And he's kind of changed his stance and, and, and his, his load and his setup and all that, and so maybe he's still getting comfortable with that. Um, but I, I think Kiermaier might, might be a good, good comp. Well, not, not quite as fast um, and maybe a little less power, but he's a guy he's, he's going to benefit you defensively. Like I said, he can get on base with a walk periodically. Um, he'll, he'll get some hits. He'll have a, have a little pop here and there. Um, but you know, ultimately, he's probably a bottom of the order type hitter. But again, you can win with a guy like that. You just have to surround him with, with the talent to allow him to be bottom of the order hitter. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of the rub there for the Royals. And hopefully hopefully they can. He can stay in that 789 spot and be a contributor for years.
0: We're talking with David Lesky. He is a baseball writer for Royals Review and Baseball Perspectives. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at DB One of the guys that I think makes having a player like Bubba Starling possible in the lineup is Jorge Soler. We saw it again last night. He picked up right where he left off in the first half, a double, a homer. He's been really good this year, David. I mean, am I allowed to get excited at this point about what Jorge Soler is doing? Because he's on base for 33 doubles, 42 homers, 107 RBIs. Yeah, the batting average is low, but he's getting a 310 on base. That's fine. And if you're slugging like this, that's fantastic. David, am I excited? Allowed to get excited about Jorge Soler at this point? Because I feel like I am.
1: Well, he's healthy as he's ever been. When he's had at least start the year healthy, um, I think is he had a career high in games, or is he not quite there yet. I feel like I think he had more games in like 2016 um, with the Cubs.
0: Yeah, that was the only. Was. He needs 10 more games to reach a new career high, but he's only 20 okay. plate appearances off of it.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so. Yeah, he probably got there by pinching on nationally, you know, stuff like that. So, the health has been there, which is really good. Um, you, you always cross your fingers saying that because who knows? It could be. He, he can go at any time. But, you know, he, he hit for power. You mentioned 33 doubles and 42 homers. That's 75 extra base hits. That's really good. I, I don't know where that would rank on the Royals' list over the last 20 years. Um, it's something I should actually look at not that you mentioned that because that's interesting. Um, but it's probably pretty high. And, you know, he's a guy, I've said this to you before, if he's going to be the hitter who's a low average, just 230 to 250, to 300, 320 on base guy with the power, as long as he's hitting fifth or lower, it's, it's great. If he's hitting higher in the order, it's probably indicative of bigger problems in the lineup. Um, because with that on base, you can't really count on him to be the guy to both clean up and set up. Um, where he is in the water right now, fifth, it works. It works really well. Um, and I, I think it's fair to be excited about him. And, and I've I got to tell you, I, I feel like you may be asking me this here, too. Close to answer right now. If he's healthy, that Moustakis record now is gone. <laughs> and so Balboni will have stood for, what was it, 32 years. Um, and then Moose will stand for two years. So, <laughs> you know, it's. Maybe it's a baseball, I don't know,
0: but but I think I think the Royals are going to have their first 40 home run hitter. Yeah, welcome to baseball in 2019. That's what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as much as it's been an incredible year for Jorge Soler, it's also a sign of the times as well. We're talking with David Lesky. He's a baseball writer for Royals Review and Baseball Perspectives. It is a leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer helping us out on the other side of the glass. It seems like we might be getting another uh, witch streak going right now, David. He's up to 10 games in a row. I don't want to talk about the history because I don't much care about that right now, but I did want to talk about Whit Merrifield because I feel like because the team has been bad basically since the moment that he got up to the big leagues or at least hasn't really been contending since he got up to the bigs. I don't know that we've truly appreciated what Whit Merrifield is. Can you put into perspective for our listening audience and for me, how good of a player, how good of a hitter Whit is right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, He's not a top-five hitter or anything, but he's top-20, probably. Um, this, is, this is a guy, he's prone to hitting streaks. And I know you do not want to talk about that, but I'm going to mention it. Because <laughs> he, he does, he sprays the ball around the field, so you can't really shift him. He's fast. And he's slowing down a little bit. He's 30. It's okay. It happens. Um, he'll get there, too. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but he, he's fast, and he can get the infield hit occasionally. He's got a little pop, so he'll put it over the outfielder's head. So he keeps outfielder's on it. They can't shift him. I mean, and he's got good back-to-ball skills. So he's really prone to hitting streaks because he's got a lot more real estate than most guys have. You know, there are so many hitters out there who, because they don't go the other way well or whatever it might be, they only have like 60% of the field to work with. Witt's got 100% of the field to work with. And nine guys can't cover that. It's seven guys, really, because pitcher and catcher obviously aren't there. They can't. It's hard to cover that, every single at-bat. So he's prone to that, and that's what that's what helps make him so good. And uh, one thing, you know, I mentioned with Mickey Lopez when he came up. He'll be okay if he can show enough pop that the outfielders have to respect him. And he hasn't done that so far. But Whitmerfield has had enough pop that the outfielders have to respect him. So he's going to get his bloops, he's going to get his doubles. There's, it's really difficult to defend him, um, and that's what makes him so good. And... You know, he's, he's such a valuable player I mean, he would be on really any team. Uh, I mean maybe the Yankees don't need him other than that it's like any team could, could use him and and benefit from having him there and, and he's just he's just one of the very best um, you know he's, he's not he's not ever going to wow you in any one area um, but he does everything so well that He's just—he's just a very complete player, and really fun to watch. He, he, he's one of those guys. He's more fun to watch on a weekly basis than a daily basis, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and for sure.
1: even more on a monthly basis than a weekly basis. The more you see him, the more fun he is.
0: He is David Lesky. You can read his work, Royals Review, and Baseball Perspectives is where you find it. You can also find him on Twitter. He'll link it there at D B Leskey. David, you're the best man. Always appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon sounds great thanks man you bet that is david lesky joining us here on the leadoff on 610 sports radio man whit merrifield's awesome he's a really good player and i wish he was able to play for a contender here in kansas city because the way that this town loved moose and Kane and haas all those guys man whit would be an absolute fan favorite if he was able to play for a contender while he's in his prime i hope it's possible i don't know that it's possible but i hope He's here when the Royals get good again. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, does signing up for Tyree kill mean you're also signing up for his relationship with Crystal Espinal? We'll get into that coming up at 11 o'clock. But coming up next, I think the Chargers are about to learn what the Chiefs learned last year, and it's a good lesson for both teams and for Chiefs fans. We'll discuss it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Kramer on the other side of the glass this morning. The protein i see with the purpose. Sex line is 69306. You can hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at BK Sports Talk. We'll take some of your calls coming up here in the next segment. 913 576 is the number to get involved. So, there's a little news coming out of the NFL this week. It is the dead time in the NFL, but there was some news. The news being... That Chargers star running back, Melvin Gordon, appears to want a new contract. And he appears to be demanding a new contract. Let me rephrase this. It's not that Melvin Gordon wants a new contract. Melvin Gordon says he's demanding a new contract. He's been trying to negotiate with the Chargers all offseason. And ultimately, they're too far apart. And he said earlier this week via his agent, you can either re-sign me to the money that I'm looking for or you can trade me. Those are your two options if you're the Chargers. Now, if you're Melvin Gordon and you've made about $10 million over the course of your career, I'm guessing you're probably not going to give up the $10 million that you're expected to make this year to just have to make that same amount of money next year, which is what he'd do because he's not on the franchise tag. He's still under contract. So if he gives it up this year, he ain't making any money. and He's still got to make the same money next year. He's going to report to the Chargers at some point. But it does bring up an interesting point. At least in my opinion, you can decide if you think it's interesting. Last year, a lot of Chiefs fans were really concerned when Kareem Hunt was gone. Kareem Hunt in 11 games last year averaged 16 carries for 75 yards on the ground. That's what he did on the ground. The Chiefs running backs in the seven games without Kareem Hunt last year. Again, Kareem Hunt, 16 carries, 75 yards. Without him, 17 carries for 70 yards. Basically the same. The same production, ultimately, between the running backs after Kareem Hunt and what Kareem Hunt did over the course of 11 games. In the passing game, let's look at this. Because everybody told me Kareem Hunt's awesome in the passing game. That's the thing that they're going to miss. And I agree. Kareem Hunt is really good in the passing game. But I think a lot of that has to do with Andy Reid. Kareem Hunt last year in 11 games. He averaged 2.5 receptions per game and 34 receiving yards per game. The Chiefs running backs in seven games without Kareem Hunt. Again, Kareem, two and a half receptions, 34 receiving yards. Chiefs running backs without him, five and a half receptions for 50 yards through the air. So, fewer yards per reception. The big playability, very different between when Kareem Hunt was here and when the running backs post Kareem Hunt were here. But, more involved in the passing game. Some of that probably had to do with the fact that Sammy Watkins was out for a lot of that time. So, they go up in the pecking order. But,. The Chiefs running backs without Kareem Hunt last year did not miss a beat. And for the Chargers, it's been largely the same with and without Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's been there for four years. The Chargers with him are 26 and 29 overall, and they average 24 points per game. Melvin Gordon has missed nine games in his career. They're four and five overall, basically the same winning percentage, and they average 23 points per game, basically the same as when Melvin Gordon's there. I don't tell you this to tell you that Kareem Hunt's overrated or that Melvin Gordon's overrated or that running backs don't matter at all. I do say this, though. If you're in a good offense, in a good situation, with good players around you, running backs, they're largely replaceable. You'd rather have the good one. I would rather have Kareem Hunt on the team this year in terms of we're talking about the football side of things I would rather have Kareem Hunt on on the Chiefs this year than not have Kareem Hunt on the Chiefs this year. If I'm a Chargers fan, I would rather have Melvin Gordon this year than not have Melvin Gordon this year because he's a good football player and you want good football players on your team. This is the same argument I was making whenever um, it appeared Le'Veon Bell was going to be made available. Yeah, you'd rather have Le'Veon Bell on the Chiefs than not have Le'Veon Bell on the Chiefs because he's good. And so if you can get him at a discount, you'd absolutely want him. The problem for the Chargers is that he's asking for like 10 to $15 million per year. And when you start paying him that, now you got to cut elsewhere. Who are you not resigning? This is where it becomes really interesting if you're a Chiefs fan. The Chargers are about to have some some decisions to make. Phillip Rivers is entering the final year of his contract. Keenan Allen, who's really good, has one year left on his deal after this year. He's going to hold out next year if he's not resigned. Joey Bosa. One year, deal on, one year left on his deal after this year. He's going to hold out next year if he's not re-signed. Derwin James is going to be coming up here real soon. He's going to be the highest paid safety within the next two years. The Chargers window is now. That's the case because of their quarterback, because obviously Phillip Rivers is not getting any younger. But it's also because of the way that they're constructed. The same, the same way that we are talking right now about how the Chiefs have a lot of decisions to make coming up, with Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones and Kendall Fuller and eventually with Travis Kelsey, the same way we're talking about that, and of course, they got to pay Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers have a lot of those same decisions, except they don't have a 23-year-old Patrick Mahomes. And a lot of their guys are going to get paid top, 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 top dollar. Like Joey Bosa, that's going to be the highest paid defensive end in all of football here pretty soon. That's going to get expensive. And it's going to have to come at the cost of other guys that are really good around them. And so for as much as we've talked about the Chargers and how that's become kind of the the rivalry within the division, and I do believe that this year it's going to be a fascinating um, back and forth between the Chargers and the Chiefs and the AFC West. It's only going to last another year, maybe two years in the AFC West before we start seeing the Chargers going on the downfall a bit. Did want to talk about other th- one other thing here briefly. So earlier this week, I was reading NFL.com, and Gil Brandt, who is a well-respected former NFL executive, he's in the NFL's Hall of Fame. He worked for the Cowboys for, like, two decades. He was part of the reason why the Cowboys were really good in the 90s. He was in that front office. He was listing the best fits for the remaining free agents out there on the market. He mentioned the Browns, for those curious, for Eric Berry. He did mention one player for the Kansas City Chiefs as being a really good fit here in Kansas City. That player was Michael Crabtree. Now, about a month ago, I might have agreed with him. I might have said to him, you know, that makes sense. They're probably going to need Michael Crabtree the first six, eight weeks of the season because it sounds like Tyreek Hill is going to miss a lot of time. Guys, we're done with that conversation. Unless something comes out of left field and Tyreek Hill all of a sudden is going to be suspended for six, eight, ten games, which none of us at this point are anticipating, the Chiefs don't need another receiver. The Chiefs are going to be without Tyreek Hill for the first probably two to four weeks of the season. They're going to move Sammy Watkins up to the number one receiver, but the number one target is going to be Tyreek Hill, or excuse me, Travis Kelsey. They're going to be able to go to DeMarcus Robinson a few times a game. They're going to have Damian Williams highly involved in the passing game. Carlos Hyde's going to get some of those catches. Like, they're going to be fine. If it's two to four games, they're going to be just fine. It's when it became possibility a possibility of eight to ten that the receiver became an issue for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's We can put that to rest. Chiefs no longer need a receiver. That's that's done. We're, we're done with that conversation. So, as much as Gil Brandt, I respect him. This is ridiculous. Chiefs don't need to go out and get anybody like Michael Crabtree. No receivers are necessary at this point. The only thing I'd like to see the Chiefs make is an addition at the cornerback group. But that's neither here nor there. That's another conversation for another day. Coming up here in just about five minutes, we'll get into... What I believe is the number one question that the Chiefs need to be asking themselves right now if they're willing to sign up with Tyreek Hill. I'll tell you what that is coming up. It is The Lead Off on 610 Sports Radio.
1: The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?